Did you guys realize that this will be the, let's see, the last time we get to celebrate Christmas on Christmas Day for 11 more years? I saw that on Facebook, so it has to be true. But it got me thinking, because I've known for about two months now that I was going to get to speak on Christmas Day, and if I'm being completely honest, if I'm being transparent, I've had a lot of mixed feelings. As Rob's referenced before, if you were here last Christmas, you know that the Christmas season isn't exactly my favorite season. Don't get me wrong, I love Jesus being born. I'm all about Jesus being born, I think that's why I struggle with Christmas so much. Because while we do decorate with all sorts of, you know, nativity scenes, and there's all sorts of signs that are available that, that show all the Christmas thing, I think... My wife's gotten a bunch of cool little Christmas signs to hang up around the house that all have to do with Jesus, and I love that. But if I'm honest, since I was a kid, the number one thing that we usually care about is like the festivities all around Christmas. We like going to see the lights. Uh, we love opening presents. We love singing Christmas music. Uh, I mean, Mariah Carey has to be filthy, stinking rich every single Christmas season because of how much her song gets played. And, my, and the staff, as we've talked about Christmas season, know that I really, really struggle with the songs that we sing. I struggle with silly things like this. There were no Christmas trees in Bethlehem, right? So I, if I'm being honest, I really struggle with Christmas. And I think part of the reason Rob made me preach on Christmas Day was because he knew that struggle. And if I'm being even more completely honest, I've already messed up with what I love about Christmas. Because while we put Luke to bed with the Christmas story centered around Jesus being born, this morning what we normally do in our household is we read the Christmas story, then we open presents, then we spend time together. But this morning we knew good, full good and well that our two-year-old would not be able to focus the second he walked into our living room, which was true. He instantly walked into this tent that we had for him with all sorts of little toys that Santa had laid out, and he lost his mind. Never once were we able to read the Christmas story on Christmas Day when Jesus was born. And so even uh, as parents who really, really care about the Christmas story, even we get lost in the shuffle of what Christmas is and the gifts and all the things that are centered around Christmas that honestly have nothing to do with the whole reason we celebrate. And so we have this tension, and we kind of talked through this tension over the last several weeks, of the king is coming, and how should we respond? If you go back and you read from Micah chapter 5, verses 2 through 5, this is something that has been predicted for years and years and years before it actually ever happened. Here's what Micah chapter 5 says. You'll see it on the screen uh, if you didn't open the, the Bible notes in your app. Here's what it says. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrath, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is the ruler in Israel whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord. And they shall dwell with secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. That passage of Scripture is a, is a direct line to the Messiah. That's how the Jews understood the scripture. This is what the Jews still believed 
about the Scripture as it's read. We believe that a Messiah is coming, but for some reason, they miss it. They miss the point entirely. They miss Jesus being born in Bethlehem. They miss the Messiah coming. They miss the celebration. And I think we at Christmas time, sometimes we celebrate, but we celebrate the wrong things. And so my question is, have you ever missed out on something? I'll give you a direct story about something I missed out on as a kid. And if I'm being honest yet again, it, it was probably a little bit too much of an ask on my part. You see, when I was a teenager, I discovered that there were more lightsabers than what you saw at Walmart. You know, you all have seen the, the lightsabers that kids get to play with where you like throw them out and they extend, right? Well, I discovered when I was a teenager that they make like real ones made out of metal that have this really cool light-up bright blade that can do all sorts of like pulsing and stuff. And so one Christmas, y'all know, I asked for one of those lightsabers, even though they were really stinking expensive. Yet when I went looking under the Christmas tree for what Santa had laid out, nothing. Got, got the clothes, got some Legos, got all sorts of stuff. But the lightsaber I wanted was not there. And maybe that's the reason I don't like Christmas season there as much, is because it's let me down in the past. Or maybe it's the whole reason I said at the very beginning. But anyways, I missed out on something I was really, really hoping for. And you guys have probably done that as well. Where you've Maybe it's an expectation you set for a holiday season. Maybe it's something you were looking for. Maybe there was a joke told while you were in the other room, and you missed out entirely. And I think that's what happens with the Israelites, with the Jews. They knew this was coming. They knew the signs. There were several other places that pointed to the coming Messiah, and yet they missed it. They missed the point. And so my question this morning on Christmas Day, are we missing the point? Yes, I'm sure. If you're here this morning, I guarantee you care a lot about the Christmas story. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but my question for you, because I've already analyzed myself this morning, is how well are you celebrating what the most important thing actually is? How much time have you spent on celebrations just with the family versus celebration of the coming king? Let's go back to the Christmas story. We've walked walk through a lot of it already. Th this next story that I want to read for you is from Luke chapter 2. And this is the story of Christmas, right? We've seen all different parts leading up to this. We've seen uh, John and the, the birth of John the Baptist and the conception of John the Baptist. We've seen the miraculous conception of Jesus leading into this point. We've seen them moving into Bethlehem where they're thrown into a stable where Jesus is going to be born. But here's a, part, a side part of the story that I think is the key thing for today. If we take nothing away, it is this. This is verse 8 of Luke chapter 2. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people today. In the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then, here's the key, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So we see from this story 
heaven gives us the example for how we're supposed to respond to Jesus. You see, the shepherds, again, who probably would have at least somewhat known the signs to come for what to look for with the Messiah, they were told by the angels that came, they said, hey, guess what? The Messiah is being born. Follow this star and you will get there. And then what did they do immediately after that? They worshiped. And so our response to the king is worship. And that's what the the angels exemplify for us. They show us what to do. They show us how to do it. Uh, I spoke those words, but they were probably singing those words along with the shepherds. And that's what causes the shepherds to respond and say, we have to go and see this. Beyond that, we see another part of the story, and there's some debate on what, how exactly it plays out. We see another part in Matthew chapter 2. This is the, the magi that we read about, the wise men. If you see your nativity scenes and stuff, they always include the wise men. We're not 100% sure that that happened at that time or if it happened later, but I want you to see what the wise men saw in coming into this verse, or coming into Matthew chapter 2, into this story. It said, after they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it had rose ahead of them uh, until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And so even the Magi, they see the stars well. They were able to read and interpret the signs. And their response, again, was worship. So they, these were probably people who didn't know the Jewish scriptures as well, but they knew the signs of what the universe was telling them to do. And still, it didn't require angels. Their response was still worship because they knew the truth. The truth that we find later in John chapter 7. This is where Jesus is proclaimed to be the Messiah in front of everybody else. Here's what it says, verse 41 of John chapter 7. Others said, he is the Messiah. Still others ask, how can the Messiah come from Galilee? Does the scripture not say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Thus, the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. We see that there was debate about whether or not Jesus was supposed to be who it was. He, was he supposed to be the Messiah or not? But they missed the point. They missed Jesus being born in Bethlehem. They missed the whole story of what Christmas is supposed to be centered around. But if this is our key point, if our main point today is to worship, to worship the King, my question goes back to what I said a second ago. Are we missing the point or not? Are we actually worshiping the King? We've had times where we got to sing songs today. Great. My question is, when you're not here, when you're not in a church building, when you're not in a church setting, how are you worshiping? Are you worshiping the King throughout the Christmas season? Are you celebrating the King for who He is? Uh, when you're singing Christmas songs in your car, what are they talking about? When you're, you're being generous with service as a form of worship, what's the purpose behind it? Do you do it to feel good? Or do you do it because it's what you were commanded to do in loving one another? If, I, if we go back a couple weeks ago when we went down to eastern Kentucky, I caught myself in the morning 
thinking, man, I'm so glad we get to go serve on these needy kids today. I really needed this. And I had to really think about that for a second when I woke up that morning and realized, man, I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this because there are people who need the love of Jesus. And even in this Christmas season, as a a person who absolutely loves the Christmas story and everything that's centered around the service aspects and uh, everything that has to do with Jesus, even I get lost in what Christmas is all about. It's not about making me feel good. It's about worshiping the King. Because the second thing is true that I've already alluded to so far. And that is that Jesus fulfills the Old Testament prophecy. We know that he's the coming Messiah. He already came, he went, he died, and he uh, rose again after three days when he defeated sin. And so what I want to do this morning is something that's a little bit different. Because there's lots of forms of worship, right? There's singing, there's praying, there's dancing, which wouldn't it be funny if I made you all get up and dance for a second because we're supposed to celebrate? I wonder how, how many of us would instantly get up and dance. There's playing instruments, there's service, but there's one thing that we neglect to do sometimes on Christmas morning, as I said I've already done, and that's the reading aloud of God's Word. And so what I'm going to do as we close our service today, uh, I'm going to have you guys go ahead and stand up, and I'm going to be reading a passage of Scripture from Psalm 22. And this is another passage of Scripture that talks about the coming Messiah. And so tons and tons of people would have read this scripture back in the days in the Jewish synagogues, and they would have celebrated that there is a Messiah that is coming. But we stand here as people this morning who know the Messiah has already come. So what I want you to do is I want you to close your eyes. I want you to raise your hands. You can eat waist level all the way up, however you want to do it. But I want you to take this moment to worship him as I read these words aloud to you. And I want you to say them in your mind, in your heart, to the king that is here and now. He is not coming. The king is here. Again, this is Psalm 22. Let me read it for you. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These are the words that Jesus spoke on the cross. He wasn't questioning God in the moment. He was quoting this passage for everyone else to hear around him. And so he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. And you, our ancestors, put their trust, and they trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But you, O Lord. Do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my people in the assembly. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but he has listened to the cry for help. 
From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For the dominion belongs to the Lord. And he rules over all the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive, posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. My church family, your king, is here. <laughs> 